0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Good morning, Birdland I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It's May the 3rd, 2023. The Orioles are now 20-9 after an 11-7 to win over the Kansas City Royals on Tuesday night. They are one of the last two teams remaining, still in the single digits for losses. Unfortunately for the Orioles, of course, one of those... Well, the other team is the Tampa Bay Rays, of behind whom the Orioles uh, are three and a half games. So, 20-9 is pretty good. The First place team is even better. Oh, well, but... The Orioles are two and a half games ahead of even the third place Toronto Blue Jays, so they've built a little bit of separation there. It's nice, um, as I have said and will say again many times on this podcast, the Orioles were lucky in their April schedule. They're going to have to keep it up in May. We'll see if they can do it. But for now, they've got a couple more games against the Royals, and it was sure nice that on Tuesday, Ryan Mountcastle broke his long drought without home runs by hitting two home runs. Adley Rutschman had another four-hit game. Tyler Wells won six innings that were more or less good enough. It could have been better, could have been worse. We had Masson's Kevin Brown dropped his popcorn in the trash, and the broadcast booth turned a silly uh, inning in it while the Orioles were on a 10 nothing run at one point in the game. And Brian Baker was doing backpedaling off the mound after big strikeouts. It's just the vibes, the vibes are fun around the Orioles right now, and that's cool. We haven't seen a lot of fun vibes, uh, you know, in the years where they were very bad. And it doesn't mean that everything is going to go well just because everybody's goofing off and having fun. But I feel like teams that are goofing off and having fun tend to be the ones that are playing well. Because if you're stinking, then, you know, it's not, not a good time. And these fun trappings that come and surround the team... Just kind of stay away when the team is not good. So I hope that they continue playing well enough to continue to not have it be silly when they're doing the sprinkler and the homer hose and whatever else. One sad thing on Tuesday's game. Well, there were a few sad things. It wasn't very good to give up seven runs to those Royals. But the saddest thing for me was Yannier Cano's hitless streak finally came to an end after Opposing batters were 0 for 32 in at bats to start the season. A chopper right off home plate, a fluke play was all that it was. What it finally took. He still has a 0.00 ERA, however, and you know what? I guess it's not surprising that it was one of those fluke Royals plays that uh, that is what broke the the canoe streak. Not going to hurt me as much as the 2014 ALCS, but uh, I still don't like the freaking Royals. Okay, I I'm I'm never going to like them because of that. I'm a grudge holder in my fandom, and I always will be, so, you know, number one is the Yankees over Jeffrey Mayer, but I think number two is going to be the Royals over the 2014 ALCS. That's life. Sorry, Royals. Actually, I'm not sorry. I just like the Royals so much, I might even uh, hope for something embarrassing to happen to King Charles III and his coronation this weekend. No, I take that back. Charles has never done anything to me, but... You know, it would be funny if something embarrassing happened to him, right? Anyway, but yes, the Orioles, they need to keep it up. The Royals, in particular, have been very bad in their home games so far this year. They are somehow 1-13 to start their season at home, which is honestly kind of absurd. And Orioles fans, well, we can find ourselves hoping that the Orioles make that 1-15, because the next two Royals starters are Zach Greinke in the Wednesday game and... Jordan Lyles in the Thursday game, former Oriole Jordan Lyles. He's not been doing as well in the 2022, uh, 2023 season as he did last year. Both of those guys have an ERA over six so far this year. So we can hope that the Orioles are able to tee off on those guys. They've been, the, the team's been playing bad at home. The Royals' offense, notwithstanding the seven runs they scored on Tuesday night, they're one of the last three teams to cross the 100 run scored threshold for the season. That's a sign of a pretty bad offense. So, I guess what we can hope is that the Orioles pitching staff is able to continue to hold those guys down. It's going to be uh Kyle Gibson starting on Wednesday night and I guess we can hope that he's uh he kind of out-veterans the uh out-veterans the the Royals guys. They haven't announced a starting pitcher for Thursday yet. The Orioles Thursday's day game, excuse me. And so, uh, you know, we'll see who pitches there, but whoever it is, they should be better than this Royals offense. That's, that's really all there is to it. So the Orioles now being 20 and nine, there've only been four other Orioles teams in history who started at least 20 and nine. There were three others who started exactly 20 and nine. Those happened in 1969 1997 and 2005. So that last one there, you know, that's not a very fun year to remember. The team did start very well, but a 20 and nine start does not actually guarantee you anything for the rest of the season. If you don't keep playing well. So let's hope we don't have a 2005 Orioles situation on our hands. I don't think we do. None of the assorted, uh, outside the field drama, that plagued that team seems like it should be lingering. There aren't the old players hanging around that are kind of the players who are being counted on to be key, but yeah. And then the one other team that was better, better than 20 and nine in the 1970, the Orioles went 21 and eight. So, you know, when you're, when you're getting mentioned with 69, 70, 97 Orioles, those are some pretty good Orioles teams I think one of the things that is making the 2023 Orioles so far get themselves on that list is they're finding themselves a team that is really excelling the second time through the lineup against a starting pitcher. And um, this is, of course, one of the kind of modern sabermetric revolutions is they talk about the times through the order penalty, which is four starting pitchers each time hitters get to see you in a game the same hitter. When he sees you a second time, he's a little bit more familiar with your stuff. The third time, he's a little bit more familiar still. So hitters get a progressive advantage against a starting pitcher each time they see him in a game. So that's the time through the order penalty. Well, so the, the Orioles lineup, the first time through the order this season, they've got a 625 OPS. That's not counting Tuesday's stats, by the way. 625 OPS. That's, that's actually pretty freaking bad, um, which is probably why you've maybe felt like, wow, the Orioles are getting like perfect game through three innings a lot this season. No, you're not wrong. And in fact, that happened again on Tuesday night. But the second time through, and again, this is not counting Tuesday's stats, the Orioles now have a 945 OPS, and that was on display on the Tuesday game. They were perfect game- through three innings by Orioles' nemesis, Ryan Yarbrough, now finding himself on the Kansas City Royals. And then in the fifth inning, excuse me, in the third inning, uh, the fourth inning, eight straight batters reached base, five runs scored. That was what it took to chase Yarbrough from the game. And so that's maybe the, the 2023 Orioles difference that kind of separates them from some of these other teams. If you really are good at making adjustments your second time through the lineup, then I think that you're going to be able to be a good offense in the long run. I guess it's still a pretty small sample for the season so far, 29 games played. There's a lot of baseball left to be played, but, and, and, and again, we'll see if this, um, this trade is durable when the Orioles start playing the better teams that are awaiting as soon as Friday, but that's an interesting way for them to do it. and, Credit to the players and to the co-hitting coaches for whatever work they've been able to do to get things like that so far. And I really hope that they're able to keep it going because it's pretty cool. It's fun to see the mid-inning comeback every time. As much as I would like to see the Orioles not in an early hole every time, mid-inning explosion, mid-game explosions are pretty fun. If you would like to email me a question or discussion topic for this show, write to camdencastpod at gmail.com. I'm happy to read at least one on every episode where I get one. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. All right, so let's move on to our prospect of the day. These are from the composite top 20 Orioles prospect lists I've put on CamdenChat.com. If you want to spoil yourself, you can look and see who's still to come. Tonight, it is number 11, Dylan Beavers. Dylan Beavers rates as high as number 9 on on some of the five uh, prospect lists that I put together to make the composite as low as number 11, shaded more towards number 11, which is why he is number 11 on the list. If you're not really familiar with Dylan Beavers, maybe that's because he was only drafted last year, the 2022 draft. The Orioles selected him at 33rd overall. That was the uh, their pick in the competitive balance round A in the 2022 draft. So Dylan Beavers has been a fun prospect in the podcast household ever since the night he was drafted, because being as my job is about the Orioles, I was watching the draft, and when the Orioles were about to pick, they flashed a, uh, the the MLB network broadcast flashed on the screen, best available players. And it was like 10 or maybe 12 names on there. And so the, the graphic was up with the list of names. And I turned to my wife and I said, who do you want the Orioles to draft? And she looked at the screen and she exclaimed Beavers. So the Orioles then drafted Dylan Beavers. So every time his name comes up, which, you know, when I have the blog that I do, it comes up occasionally. One of us will look at the other and we just say, Beavers! Now that has absolutely nothing to do with his baseball playing prowess, but it's fun. It's fun to just shout Beavers, and I hope that he's able to keep it up. Okay, so Dylan Beavers, draft stock. The Orioles drafted him from the University of California. He was number 45 in the draft class, according to the Fangraph's prospect ranking for that class. They said about him, quote he has one of the freakier body slash athleticism slash power slash speed skill sets in this draft class. If his swing can be dialed in, he could break out in a big way as he has the ability to hit 30 bombs. Going into the 2023 season, the Athletics Keith Law rated Beavers number nine. He was the high guy on Dylan Beavers, and he said a couple things about Beavers, including, quote, he's a great athlete who needs some swing maintenance, The Orioles have already started working with him. And he also said Beavers can stay in center field and it's 25 homer power if he gets to it, end quote. There's kind of a common trend with these prospects. Some of the ones we've talked about lately, the Orioles have tended to pick guys who the prospect evaluators say maybe they've kind of got weird swings, but there's also no question that they've got interesting or even really big power. I think that that uh, that has come up with Heston Kerstad, as well as Kobe Mayo, and now we've also got that for Dylan Beavers. So I guess you could probably say that's because if the Orioles are mainly um, drafting off of like the Sigmidel model or whatever that's been come up, that's been um, that's been produced, you don't need to necessarily worry about what do your scouts say about these guys having weird swings. Okay, so is it going to work, or can the player development staff turn guys with weird swings into Successful major league players with slightly less weird swings. Well, you know, we haven't seen any of them really hit the big leagues yet, so it's hard to say, but a number of them, well, a couple of them are getting kind of close. Um, I think we're going to see them in Norfolk this year, Kerstad and Mayo, and maybe Beavers will be a fast mover as well. So far in the 2023 season, Dylan Beavers is batting two sixty eight with a three sixty six on base percentage 5.07 5.07 slugging percentage. That's with the high A Aberdeen Ironbirds through tw- uh, through 19 games of their season. And I think that's encouraging because the Aberdeen home stadium and really kind of the league that they play in is kind of, well, the, the stadium is especially has been kind of a notorious pitcher's park. I don't know why that is, but over multiple years, it's been not good for hitters. And guys have come in and not hit very well there over their time there. Some 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 guys who've gone on to hit very well at other stops on the minor league ladder. So I don't know if that is plaguing any of the current guys or whatever, but Dylan Beavers certainly is holding up pretty well. I don't know how long the Orioles will want to have him there. He did just get drafted last year, so they'll probably want to have him show at least probably like a half season of success before they would maybe give him like an aggressive bump to Bowie The one concern the prospect writers had was if his swing is going to be dialed in, can he avoid the swing and miss stuff? Well, so far this season, he's got a 24.3% strikeout rate. That's not horrible, but it's also not very good against high A competition. So I guess that'll be the thing to keep an eye on for Beavers. Future role, if he can beat the strikeouts, I'm a believer, based on what these guys are saying about him, that he could become the center fielder of the present in, like, 2026. Um, The free agent status of the Orioles is such that everyone who's a current starting outfielder, so you're talking the Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander trio, they're all going to have been free agents at least by the end of the 2025 season. So the whole shebang is open starting three years from now. And if anybody's good enough to push their way in before that, then more power to them. Um, I, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing that. Of course, there are guys ahead of Dylan Beavers, namely Heston Kerstad and Colton Cowser. Oh, yeah. And let's not forget about Kyle Stowers, who doesn't count on prospect lists anymore, but is still a young outfielder who has some potential for the Orioles. So that kind of stuff could make any one of those guys trade bait. It could make Dylan Beavers trade bait. It's, it's, I, I you know, I, I feel like I'm going to say this every episode until a prospect gets traded, but it's going to be really interesting to see how the Orioles evaluate their own guys and who they go out and try and get. If they're fortunate enough to make it to July where they feel like they need to add something, and then that they find a player out there on the market who they want to add, who will actually be good, but who will cost them some prospects who are kind of precious to us currently, but. You can't keep the Precious forever. Gollum taught us that eventually. Well, in this case, we're not going to throw the Precious into the fires of Mount Doom. That would be kind of weird. But hopefully the prospects can be used to forge a championship Orioles World Series team, whether that's the prospects themselves or whether they are turned into productive big leaguers. I don't know. But, you know, I want to see the Orioles win the dang World Series. Will Dylan Beavers be a part of it? I don't know. But... I'm hoping he does, because he is my random, kind of lower-level favorite prospect, entirely because of his name. Really, it's fun to shout, Beavers! We'll see if we ever get to do that in an Orioles uniform. So that's all I've got for tonight. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on your favorite platform and leaving a rating or review, or tell a friend or family member. I'd be happy to have them listen, too. New episodes come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so, assuming the thing that makes my voice sound like this is not worse, I will talk to you again on Friday. Between now and then, you can tweet to me at CamdenChat on Twitter. Good morning, Birdland, as a Camden cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.